Welcome to the Concept 101 podcast. My name is Daniel. Jules. Stefan. We are three concept artists currently working in the film and games industry, as well as the organisers of the Concept 101 event in London. Now, if you haven't listened to the podcast before, what we do is we all bring in a different subject matter based around concept art, and we all have kind of like little group discussions about it, and try to make it interesting. And the emphasis is really on try, because we're pretty boring people. Um, so, Steph, you're the one who's bringing in the first topic today, so why don't you start us off and explain what it is? So, the first topic is about process and have, why it's good and beneficial to have a set process that you use um, when creating art, especially when working in, in a studio. Um, mm-hmm. So in the past, I ran into, I've experimented with different workflows whilst working on a project. Um, and I ran into issues where I either wouldn't output the same quality of uh, work or I wouldn't be, wouldn't be able to tell like how much time certain images would take. Uh, sometimes it would take me two weeks, sometimes it would take me two days mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. make an image. Um, and a lot of it has to do with me trying different process um, and as I said, like not knowing what are the steps that I need to take to produce something that's good. Did those kind of like variables, especially like working within an office environment, did that make things difficult for you in a way like collaborate because obviously in games you have to collaborate with people a lot more than you do in the film industry like me and jules will just send our concepts to whatever poor 3d artist has to do them yeah. and they cry but with you it's a lot more collaborative you often have to work with artists from other teams whether it's narrative 3d um vfx mm, yeah. whatever so you know just to start off with as well because we, i guess we're talking about the the problems with this stuff to begin yeah. with right were there any issues that arose from you having this kind of like slightly muddled process where you weren't sure yeah. of these outputs and the time which is like stuff? issues within a team yeah, yeah 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 i think certainly there were some issues related whenever we had to do like final looking artwork because that's where the time varied would be the the highest like variety of mm-hmm. time essentially it's like when it's like a final looking yeah. keyframe or painting when it was like sketches, it's, you know, no matter what, it will take less time. So it's not going to be as varied, yeah. uh, no matter what technique you use. Um, but the quality outcome was certainly a problem, even in sketches. Um, and because of that, um, I would end up in situations where we were not, you know, we, were, we, would, we would, I would have to give like rough estimates, but I wouldn't be able to hit them at work yeah. always. Um, and even with like rough stuff, uh, for example, because again, I just want to drill down into like the processes and stuff that you were using before, like you established a process for yourself. Mm-hmm. Were you finding like with the sketching, for example, that because you didn't even like, uh, did you have like a set process of sketching? Like did all of you, like if you were delivering like a sketch for creature to a client or something, were you finding that like the, the look of that sketch was different because you were using like pen for one and Photoshop for another or I see what whatever. You mean, yeah. I have had that problem uh, on when I used to do design, hard surface design. Uh, and I would deliver like sketches, mm-hmm. but there would be like either a photobash sketch or like a like value sketch or something or like a sketch sketch. And yeah. because it was so like varied techniques, everyone was just confused. Yeah. Like, what am I trying to deliver? Like, which phase of design are we in? 
And eventually I, you know, for example, with, with all that stuff, I decided like no matter how I get to the design, I will always do like an overlay and, a, and sketch over it uh, yeah. to have like a final looking. So by, looking by basically using different tools to make your work yeah. and by not having a workflow which remains all the time the same, you've been outputting different uh, kind of identity of image, right? Yeah. So like a pen sketch or uh, a Photoshop image. Yeah. And that has confused people you've been working with yeah. and has caused sometimes uh, variables into also, I guess, the quality of the work because I assume maybe you're better at sketching with pen than maybe uh, sketching with, I don't know, Photoshop. Wacom. Or Wacom, yeah. yeah. I think it's interesting as well, something that you said there about how you might start with Photobash, then go to sketching, then go to a painted thing, then go to 3D, then mm -hmm. go to sketching. Because in concept art, um, I guess it's something people don't talk about that much, but there is kind of like a structure of iteration that most studios expect that begins with sketching and starts to end with Photobash in 3D, right? Yeah, yeah. Because theoretically what you're doing is you're starting loose and you're tightening it up as you go. Mm -hmm. And I guess one of the problems is, right, if you're starting with Photobash right at the beginning, you're already laying down a lot of details and a lot of kind of like very tight constraints about like certain specifics about the design yeah. rather than leaving space for the art director or client to have a bit of imagination about what's yeah. going on. I mean, I, I think as soon as you provide sketches, right, yeah. uh, then of course you probably will be much more efficient if you keep doing the sketches the same way yourself because you know your tool better and because you're just yeah. going to just get better I, at it. But yeah. if you show a sketches to someone, and then the next step is to show more sketches, then definitely don't change the software. Or yeah, yeah. <laughs> it needs to have what Daniel said, which is starting with a pencil, a pen and paper, yeah. and then going in Photoshop. Which referentially, I guess, what is your process then now? And, and I guess we can all talk about our different processes for different things. So my current process uh, involves, like I start by sketching in my sketchbook. Yeah. Um, oh, I do some reference search first. So, and I break down my, which is quite important for me actually, I break down my references into like little ideas and I'll put like three or four references for each little idea that represent exactly what I want to draw with that. Like that idea represents a thumbnail essentially, mm -hmm. or like a couple thumbnails. Yeah. And then I'm gonna, you know, I'll have like 15 or 20 of these little reference ideas uh, and then I'll do sketches towards it. Um, and then once I'm done with them, ideally I take it to the art director and we talk through it. Um, depends, art director has been very, very busy uh, recently. So sometimes I talk with the other concept artists and we just decide what's the direction uh, to go with. Yeah. And then I go into, um, I put the those, like I take a photo of the sketches, put them in, a, in Photoshop and I do like a black and white overlay over it. So I just do a pure black and white composition where I, essentially for me, this black and white composition is just to, f like uh, if you've seen, uh, what are they called? Steven Wang has like black and white sketches or like- uh, So you do a thumbnail. A thumbnail, yeah. yeah. So I essentially, <laughs> after I've done my first thumbnails, I do a thumb, the same thumbnail essentially in Photoshop. But what I'm doing, I am, like when I did that sketch, the first initial thumbnail in the sketchbook, I collected all those ideas into one sketch, but I and I try my best to make it look good as possible. But I cannot fi do all everything, like fix everything on fly. And in between the sketch and the Photobash stage, sorry, the Photoshop stage, do you have coffee or tea? Because mm -hmm. I think that matters a lot. What? No, <laughs> no. So I'm just joking. I'm just saying it's like, it's, it's, in a broader sense, like what you do, right, is you sketch, you put it in a Photoshop, you do a refined sketch. 
then you do a color graded paint over it. Is that right? No. After that, I go into 3D. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So after after I have that sketch, like the the more let's call it more refined sketch that has a good composition. Like what I make sure in the process when I'm in Photoshop is that the composition is good. That I like the composition. I like roughly the lighting in it as much as I can suggest the lighting mm -hmm. with like pure two or three values. Uh, and then I make sure I like those things and then I take it into uh, 3D. Yeah. I do like overlay with, uh, what is it called? Ma I match the perspective on the sketch. Yeah. No, no, not with Spy. You just, I have a perspective grid in Blender. I put the image into the camera yeah. and then I just match it as good as I can with the focal, like, focal length of the camera and the perspective mm -hmm. to the sketch. And then I build it almost one-to-one -one in 3D uh, because at that point, all I'm concerned about is like, I know the composition works. I know the lighting works. I just have to kind of match it yep. and make like some adjustments in 3D. I light it. It takes me like two or three hours to do like the, the 3D base. Once it's lit, I put it into Photoshop and then I do the usual photo bashing thing. Where and, and then you're done. And then I'm done. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So does that process change when you're dealing with different subject matters? Because obviously what you described there is a pretty environment heavy yeah. thing. Yeah. And you do, I mean, me and Jules, for example, I think deal with a very high variance of uh, briefs. Yeah. So how, I mean, maybe Jules, you can ask this. How does your, how do you have like, do you have like varied processes and approaches for different things? Um, yes and no. Right. I'm going to explain myself. What uh, Stefan described here is pretty close to what I do pretty much every day. Yeah. If I have to start something from scratch, uh, sketching, once I'm happy with my sketching, 3D, once I'm happy with my 3D, Photoshop, that's it. And I guess the different subjects will vary the software I use. For example, if I have to model a creature, I'm going to go use maybe ZBrush, or maybe I might sketch in 3D with the VR, just mm -hmm. because I know that I prefer sketching creatures in 3D rather than being on pen and paper. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I'll just spend less time pen and paper and just directly go with VR. Mm. Compared to if I have to do an environment, I probably won't go in VR, except if I need to build some tools maybe, so mm -hmm. some assets maybe, but not, not to design, right? But the, the pipeline is always design heavy at first. So sketching, design heavy, composition heavy. Yeah. Once I'm done with that and I know exactly what I'm gonna do, then I jump in 3D, sorry. And in 3D usually, I, uh, I figure out the lighting, or maybe I figure out my camera angles if I haven't figured out yet. Mm -hmm. But 3D usually is a fairly low creative aspect. It's a lot of just making a scene work. Yeah. Uh, and then when I'm a bit more creative again, it's in Photoshop. I try not to push my 3D too hard because I know that I can retain a lot of freedom in Photoshop. So usually I just get to the point to be able to have a good visual quality in 3D. Photoshop, and then in Photoshop, I kind of just take it all together while allowing me to make last-minute change. Um, mm. I try to be quite um, free when I work in a sense that I never take... If I take a decision, it's going to be like a decision I'm full on about, very sure about. And if, let's say, I'm not sure about the sky, I'm not going to go with the sky in 3D. I'm just going to leave it PNG, and then I'm going to yeah. add the sky in Photoshop just because I know that um, it allows me to change my mind or to also just deal with clients down the line, you know. Yeah. Same with my passes. I, I render a very big variety of passes because that allows me to manipulate them in Photoshop to pretty much uh, change the lighting as much as I want yeah. uh, to an extent, of course. Yeah. But yeah, so if I do a creature, environment, or a vehicle, I guess, most of this broad pipeline, always the same. Yeah. The tools I use to do it, they probably vary. Also, yeah, yeah, the yeah. final results will vary, right? I think that's pretty much the same for me. I think the the one thing I always try to think about 
uh, there's a few things I always try to think about with my pipeline and my process. Number one, what does the client want? Some clients don't like sketches. Some clients don't like photo bash. Some clients only want a finished image. Some mm. clients only want messy images, right? Yeah. So you have to adapt your process to whatever the clientele wants. If you're working with an in-house team, for example, on a video game, which I have done in the past, I find it much more useful to kind of dictate what my process will be in a way to be like, I'm going to start off with sketches and then we can move past there. Um, which I think is nice because you get a little bit more control over the process. Mm -hmm. And obviously they can say no to that. But I think it helps because especially when you're dealing with an in-house team and you're designing something in collaboration with other people, um, what can be very important is kind of notifying them of where you are in the process more mm -hmm. than anything else. When you say, I'm starting off with sketches, then we'll go to a slightly more refined sketch, then I'll build something in 3D as a block out, then we can do a refined thing at the end. You're notifying them so like when they see that slightly more refined 3D block out, they know, oh, we're about three quarters of the way through the process, mm -hmm. right? So I always outline at the start what my process is going to be. Obviously, things can change, but it rarely does. Um, and then, yeah, like you said, the rest of the time, I just have a pretty standardized process, um, which is just, yeah, like I'll start with some sketches maybe. And, you know, depending on the time frame, like a lot of the time in film work, you don't have time to do thumbnails or sketches. So you really have to be reliant on your previous experience working in keyframes or working with other subject matters because otherwise you're fucked. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you don't know, for example, like uh, if somebody says, I want an image of like a thief running across a bunch of Victorian rooftops in the nighttime and you don't instantly have like a few visual ideas of how you might execute that, mm -hmm. Film work might not be the way for you. Yeah. Or you need to get a lot more experience to do it because really there, you know, you need to have a set series of ideas for how you can access this kind and of that's, problem. That boils down to having a lot of, I guess, experience and time uh, creating work mm -hmm. and also using different tools. So you kind of know where you're going because you have this backlog of, of experience to kind of dictate where you go. Something I also want to add up, just one small thing about what we the way you work, you said that it depends a lot on the clients. I yeah. agree. And it also depends a lot um, on where you join the, pro the, the project, you know? Yeah. Because many, many times I join a project and I don't even have to do sketches because it's been passed there already, you know? Yeah. Or like not, You're not, in post-production yeah, sometimes. Post yeah, post-productions or just, you know, maybe the design or some iteration of the design has already been pre-established by another department somewhere else in the world. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like if, if you join in post-production and you're doing VFX concepts you very rarely do sketches of VFX concepts because Never, yeah. what, you, what you're meant to do is you already have a plate to build on, which is obviously photorealistic because it's mostly shot. Mm -hmm. You maybe remove the background a little bit and change the grading a tiny bit. And then your job is to just take like really cool elements which you either build or you download from Shutterstock or whatever and create really interesting like magic or explosions or fireballs or whatever the hell it is that the movie requires. And but, that, yeah. you know, is a very set linear process that doesn't really require any refinement. It's very rare that you have to refine a VFX concept. And this basically just changes when you start in your process. Yeah. Right? It just changes the like point. But as soon as you have an established process, usually um, you should be able to do well no matter when, at which yeah. point you For start. For VFX, my processes are I download the plate and then I put screen layers over the top of it. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I want to say though, like why I decided to go and have a process that then like of course there's like all the negatives with like besides all the bad things like, <laughs> technically if i have like whatever i have enough time for an image and we're talking like three weeks enough time then um i will need you know i'll always deliver great work but the problem all right big man 
I, no, that's true. But the problem, the, but the problem is that I might need to essentially restart the painting midway through, right? Or like change it a lot, like dramatically. And I've noticed that you know, <clears throat> I've noticed that I I was essentially I was missing in my process something where I could stop changing the image to at the end, where I could like where I, where I. I was trying to find a way how I can do all these compositional changes at the beginning and not at the end. Because for me personally, like maybe for people, for different people is different. But when I, for example, if I start right away in 3D, I cannot really see the shapes. Like maybe different people see it differently. But for me, it's difficult to make a very good looking 3D scene with good shape balance and stuff like that. Uh, but it's a lot easier if I just do like a black and white or like two or three value sketch in Photoshop because I can cut out pieces however I want and I can move them around compositionally. And for me, like I found that that is the best way. So I just want to say like everyone has a different process depending mm -hmm. on like what works for them. And I found that for me, you know, if I, if I, I can solve composition in this pure black and white, I can constantly see, see it like freshly with my eyes and I can just keep iterating it until it looks good. Mm -hmm. And then I know once it's there, that's good enough, I can just build it in 3D and whatever adjustments I'll be doing, they're not gonna be like major adjustments. And if I know if it doesn't work in the, in the, in the black and white stage, then I know why it's not working at the end as well. Yeah. Uh, right. and, and I know that the problem was there and I know that it's that's what I need to get good at. So it's all, it's, it is literally having a process of refinement. Yeah, but I think it's about having a process that fits fits you. Because I don't think if I did like Jules's process or your process, that I, I think I would still have to be adjusting the images but towards if, the end. If you were adjusting the images at the end, then you fucked up anyway. I mean, that that's a, like, no matter what section of the industry you work on, it's very rare. Like I've never worked with a client personally where I've had to adjust an image at the end of the process without restarting the whole image because they've changed the brief. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you kind of screwed up at that point if you're having to change the comp at the last step. I, I, I agree yeah, with Yeah, but this. what I'm saying is, like, you need to have a process where you can try not to, you know... Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. but, but, but regard, me, there is no process where which works in industry yeah. where a client sees a sketch, they go, I like that composition, do that, and then you deliver them something different because you're not so, giving them what I, they want. I see what Guys, you mean, but... Something I think we kind of forgot to mention about our process that we all do a lot. We talked about clients a bit. I think for Stefan is just the AD, but our process evolves a lot around showing our work and when to show our work, right? So no matter the process we do, it's also very important when we choose to show it because mm, I can start with a sketch and then be like, hell yeah, 3D now, and then have something I'm happy with. And then the, and then the, the other actor's like, no, I don't like the sketch. Like go back <laughs> to from start zero, from scratch, right? So you need to show your work and that's very important a lot to your clients or at, at every time that you have a kind of a turning point right yeah, because yeah. that's what makes you not change the image at the end yeah well, i guess it's about having making sure that every step that yeah. you finalize something is client ready which yeah. means that whenever you you know when it when you finish your sketches at that first stage or when you move on to your thumbnails if the client wants to see it that you can show mm -hmm. it to them and it doesn't look like shit and it actually looks good so that it's appealing and they like it and they want to go along with it so knowing, I guess, your client, like your client, and also knowing what they like to see, and also if you're in a in a studio or a video game, knowing when they like to see your work, or mm -hmm. knowing when to stop to get to and wait to get feedback rather than just keep going, yeah, and then having to redo three hours of work for no reason. Um, this is, I think, very important. So yeah, I also want to say like why 
it's important to have a consistent process uh, other than like getting the consistent results and like stuff that we talked about one of the important thing is to have um, is to have the same is to have the ability to know and troubleshoot your image mm-hmm. kind of like I was saying like if the image doesn't work at the final, I know that the problem was at the sketch phase, right? I know that the problem isn't the final. I know, like, I should have fixed it back then. And I know that I need to get better at the first two, like, sketching phases. Yeah. Because if I get get better at them, I know that the final will be better So what, well. you, what you're saying now is that for someone who's trying to figure it out, to so, figure out a pipeline, a workflow, yeah. and they haven't got the workflow yet. Yeah. They will never how know, to like, figure out. The- how to fix it. That's what you're saying. Because they will not know opinion, where was the mistake. They will not know where, like if I am producing, like I know that if I have the consistent workflow, I know, okay, if I want to have it faster, well, I have to get faster at one of the points. I have mm. to get faster at the first sketching phase or the black and white sketching phase or the 3D phase. Yeah. It, that's how I get faster. But if you start with photo bash, right? Mm-hmm. And then you go into 3D and then you go photo bash again, then where should you, where should you be getting faster? Should you be getting faster the first and then next time you do something else, mm-hmm. you don't know where you should be getting faster or how you should be getting faster. Where if you have the same workflow, you can just improve it, improve it, improve it, improve it, and you'll get faster in, in, yeah. in those, you know, yeah. like you know your limitations of like what you need to work yeah. on. It's, it's true that if, if uh, someone doesn't have a, a workflow yet, it's very important to be kind of very critical and try to break down which step are more important than the others. And also which step allows you to be uh, a more versatile and a, and a more um, easy to work with artists, right? Because yeah. if a client asks you to to change your camera angle and you haven't done any 3D and you painted everything, then there might be an issue. Maybe you might want to add 3D in your workflow or yeah. or you might want to, to yeah, get some 3D, get some rough camera angles, get a render, and then uh, paint over, which will allow you to be more versatile when a client asks you to change your camera angle. But if you already have a workflow, I don't agree that you should not get to the point. Like if someone has a working workflow and they have a client, except yeah. if the client da- drastically changed their mind because of an outside reason, yeah. you should not get asked to be redoing a whole image because of your because of your fault, right? Because hopefully you would have shown them every yeah. steps which have been approved. I mean, that, that's why you have checks and balances as a project. Yeah. continues right that's why yeah. you have art directors there to look yeah. at stuff and say mm, yeah i'm but not so I, sure about that sometimes it, i mean i think it's a little bit different in games and films i mean sometimes in games well it sorry, happens I, that i've people, worked in games as well man. yeah but you worked as a freelancer you never worked in-house in a studio you worked as a freelancer where art director has dedicated time where they meet with you and they have to meet with you otherwise they're losing money it's different in a studio sometimes you're left alone by yourself for like one or two weeks potentially where you are just doing stuff wait, 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 wait a second but is that because that's how studios work or is it because for a very long time there was no art director at your studio no there was always an art director uh but like sometimes that sometimes the problem is that sometimes the art directors as in a game company as an art director you have other obligations than just tending to the art mm. team you are tending to the whole art team to the 3d art team to the could it be to the VFX guys, to literally everyone on a team. And if it's a massive team and you're trying to set that direction for all the different people, sometimes you don't have time to meet with the concept team yeah. and therefore you would have like a lead or something like that. Well, that's that's quite unfortunate if this is happening, I guess, but it also then maybe a good time, if it's the case for anyone listening, to actually go to whoever's in charge and telling them like, hey, we need to yeah, direct. Getting feedback from who you can get it from. 
I think I'm Daniel not, has like, actually a good point here. Like, I would say no matter what, if you are stuck in it, not that I get in this situation anymore, but if you are stuck, it's something that I should have done better as well. It's like if I was stuck in a situation like this to just get feedback from, rather than making a decision on your own, is to just like get feedback from whoever else you can, whether it's game designers or someone else that has influence on the game, essentially. Uh, yeah. And just trying to make yeah. a decision yeah. on your own or and decide to go for something. If you don't have, if you are left without loads of direction, to use that time to create multiple options instead of just creating one mm. and coming to yeah. one idea. Yeah. Um, I mean, in film, yeah. you often go and you create many, many, many options because you know that the client won't go with the first one. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think while I agree that there's some like unfortunate aspects to if you're left alone for a long time, that is kind of on the artist to be aware of that and to use their time wisely to that end, right? I think it's very rare that you'd be left alone for two weeks and they say, start to finish, do this whole thing. Yeah. And if, and if they do say that even, it's up to you to negotiate with those people and say, well, if I do that, it's very likely that you won't like the outcome because I won't have any of your feedback for this amount of time because I yeah. know you're going to be away. So what is the compromise that we can have here? Which again is... I think one of the advantages of working in film is because, like a concept of us in film, you're very client-facing and you're constantly negotiating with the client for stuff. So, uh, I mean, and like just to say, like that is what I've done when I've worked freelance for games. I very purposely negotiate what I'm going to be handing over, when I'm going to be handing it over, why I'm doing it. We are in a position now, for example, when we work with clients, is that we have producers and people working with us which are doing this every time we're meeting with the clients. So we're talking about creative stuff with the client and then the producer or whoever else in charge of the business side aspect of it, they're going to tell them, okay, so the next meeting is that day. We're going to give you this amount of stuff on that day. And they just have everything sorted. So they kind of sort out the process and the deadlines for us. And then we just have to sort out our own creative process ourselves. And then you tell the client about what you're doing with that creative process. And then they say, well okay if you i'm away for the next four days so i'd like to do this and then you say well if i do this it's very likely you won't like it and you negotiate with them which is the same no matter where you work so it's about being almost your own producer in a way where you want to make sure that your process both creative but also time-wise and almost like business-wise is known you know like i'm a business i work eight hours per day uh that's gonna cost you whatever Uh, i'm gonna do this i'm gonna give you next meeting is schedules for next week and then you just have your weekly like deadline or you know same like when you start a new project yep. one of my first question is when's the deadline or what do you expect to for when yeah, you yeah. know because that's very important to know yeah if someone asks yeah. you for a spaceship design the next question should out of your mouth should be well what do you want and when do you want it for yeah and then you say preferably i would start with sketches and then they say well, i'm not available for two weeks and you go mm-hmm. okay well i would be willing to take it this far but i'm not going to take it to a full finish because of this yeah i i, I mean I, I know that we've gone like vastly off track here, but I do think that, uh, you know, when you have your process and you have maybe you have different processes for different facets of the industry and different things you work on, what's very, very important is always making it clear what that process is going to be to whoever you're working for, because they are the people who really benefit from a clear process, not necessarily you. It's really for the benefit of other people, um, at least in my experience. Yeah, cool. Uh, I have uh, I have never been left two weeks by the way without. Uh, it was an extreme example. Only there. five months. I just imagine Stefan sitting in an empty office by himself. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone leaves. It's Christmas holidays. He didn't get the memo. Yeah. <laughs>
I, I mean, but I have done paintings, but it, that were like that I had to change a lot. But it was, I think, partially was also my fault because I couldn't like make the painting look good. Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah, and then, but it's not something that I'm worried about. I mean, right things don't always get as planned. Yeah. There's always some little things that need improvement. It's fine, right? Uh, I think just like art, the, if you have, if you can have conversation about your art as you do it. It, it, That's very always, it was yeah. always yield a better result. Also especially for like a personal project, I, I think it's very important to get feedback from others. Not always, because sometimes you might alter where you direction you're going, but uh, it. I don't think getting feedback from any personal project or professional project ever hurted the project. Yeah, cool. Unless you're very easily influenced for a personal project, I think. I think for a personal project, you still want to have your unique vision for stuff, right? Yeah, but then yeah, then it becomes it boils down to if you're inf- influenceable or not. Yeah, I am. I I buy whatever's on the TV. Whatever. <laughs> are, are you the person that people will uh, hypnotize? Are you? Uh, you ever? Yeah, I've, somebody hypnotized me into concept art, and it's been five years now. <laughs> I mean, he's, he's, he's still on the podcast. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> look how far you took it. <laughs> that person. person Stefan, don't tell know. him. <laughs> Daniel, look at my look at my watch. <laughs> Start the whole. Why conf- you guys don't close your eyes? Me. <laughs> Uh, next yeah, subject anyway. yeah, so I've got my next subject um, this is a pretty clickbaity subject but I, I do feel like it's kind of relevant which is um, how to keep art fun and not make it a chore uh, this is again like as a lot of the subjects I bring they're kind of influenced by people I've talked to with mentorships and like students and stuff and this is again like just such a common thing that I see is people being concerned that you know They've, maybe they've been in the industry for a few years and the idea of doing a personal project or you know making art in general has become a little bit tiresome to them. Um, so what I wanted to ask is, obviously I'll give my opinions on this as well, but how do you guys keep art enjoyable for you and like make sure that it stays fun rather than just being, you know, becoming a job, you know, retaining it as a passion? It's to keep it fresh. Yeah. Keep it new. Be, uh, it's very important, I think, to stay curious. Yeah. To have a very open mind about things. Yeah. And also Unless to... It's AI. Yeah, <laughs> but also having um, like not being too cocky about your own level or about your own cap- capacities and being like, yeah. I'm here to learn. There's many ways I can improve. And yeah, just like, I think if you open yourself to industry and to what's there, what's being made, what are the new things out there, yeah. what's on our station, what are the new Im- impressive movies coming out, then you're probably going to be inspired and also motivated, right? Yeah. If you if you kind of breathe motivation and if you're just like are always looking into something, yeah. it's going to motivate you to do something, right? When I look at... Uh, My we, art. When, when, when one of you guys, <laughs> when Stefan makes a project, wow, Stefan, when when you make a project, it really motivates me. <laughs> you know, right? I'm like, about, and, about uh, when, when you make a project, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to quit concept art. <laughs> that's how bad it is it's like you're like i want to gouge my eyes out right now no but you know like just being there and being um open open open-minded to what's there and to learn i think yeah yeah. it's very cheesy but i think it's i think quite important well we just had fondue so yeah (laughs) so if you uh i would say find i would say like three things one is find something that you really enjoy in the process of making art like whether it's coming up with ideas or like do the final painting like find that one thing and you know whenever you want to think about doing a project or something think like okay i'll get to that stage and that's like the stage that i always enjoy second thing is like um yeah community around it whether it's friends or your colleagues or something like that i think that always will 
you know, that will, that, that will always motivate you because when other people are producing cool shit around you or cool art, it will always, it was always going to be feeling good. And a third thing about uh, making like, or like keeping motivated, right? Like how to make it still fun is learning. I think learning is at least like, to me, it's very, very exciting and learning new things makes you feel like you're growing and like challenging yourself. It's probably part of every artist. So finding a good mentor or doing like a mentorship is always going to be fun. Uh, and learning stops you getting dementia, I think. <laughs> That's a pretty good reason to keep learning. Who are you? <laughs> Who am I? This is why you can't remember anyone's names. <laughs> you're, not, you're not keeping art fun enough. I don't know, I don't know about uh, learning art, maybe? Maybe learning yeah, language. I mean, just keeping your brain active is very yeah, beneficial. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, it's, I think it's very, it's, it's very important to... Like if you keep learning on something, you're yeah. gonna keep being curious on the same thing, yeah, yeah, yeah. and then it's gonna keep you wanting to make more stuff about that. And if you make, if you spend more time doing something, then you surely want to, like you know, you're gonna be dedicated for it. You're gonna have a passion. I think that is a really nice thing about art is it's just kind of endless. Yeah, in a way. yeah it's, it's really like, endless. Yeah, yeah. Nobody can ever complete art. Yeah. There's no end to it. There's it's and it's also so personal about like what you want to learn and what you want to do. It's probably uh, I I have like a bit too slightly stranger answers i think or maybe like more left field answers than what you guys said about how to keep art fresh and stop it becoming a chore number one um <laughs> is consider whether you found art ever fun um oh. that's not really a solution but <laughs> <laughs> i do think i do think that as in everything in life there are just, just like, i can I, I can see you as a therapist like i'm sad but you were always sad yeah i mean so what I mean by that is like some people, as with any job or any career in life, they jump into it, right? Some people get very good at like concept art very young and they're like, well, I'm good at it, so I'll keep doing it, right? Or you go into it because your your sibling is in it or you go into it because there was an easy route into it, right? Um, and one of the big things about concept art is it is a very passionate industry, right? And so I think one of the big things that makes art a chore for people is that they feel like they have to be passionate about it and it shouldn't be a chore. And I think it is an important thing to realize is, you know, maybe to look internally into yourself and really think about like, oh, well, I want to make as much work as like John Park does, right? Mm. And he's he's like a very established artist. He's got a family, he's got kids, and he like really puts the time aside to just do his personal stuff because he enjoys it clearly, right? I mean, the dude said he was quitting, like, put posting on social media, and he only lasted like a month. So <laughs> he clearly really likes posting, like, you know, making art and sharing it with people. And I think it's important to kind of, yeah, take a look inside yourself and think about how much you actually do like it. Like, how much joy when you're painting does it bring to you? Because the second you do that, you probably enable yourself, number one, if you are feeling guilt about not making art, to stop feeling that guilt. Because maybe you realize, like, hey, this is actually just a job to me. I'm not that passionate about it and that's okay because everybody has their own paths in life and things they like and things they don't like, right? And then you can go and focus on things that make you happy. Um, if you realize that I used to find it really fun, but now I don't, then the question becomes, okay, well, why did it used to be fun and how can you bring that back? You know, how can you find like that joy that you used to feel when you're making things? And, you know, to, to cut it short, like really it's just about understanding yourself. Um, and understanding why you loved something, why you don't love something, why you do love something. And I think that opens up the pathways to actually improve your artistic journey and to make you more true to yourself and make you happier overall in the industry and what you do. Um, yeah, man. Yeah. I have, I mean, I have 
had experience with that. Have you had experience with that? Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. Have I've, you have you ever like sat down and be like, I don't enjoy this anymore? But why is that? Well, I think when I was at university, it became a little bit of a chore because there was so much more pressure in terms of like getting a job and entering the industry, and. What surprised me was, um, and I'm not talking about anybody in particular here, but like there's all people we know who join the industry and then haven't outputted a personal project in like three or four years, or they've done very little amount of work, which is fine, FYI, like I, I'm not judging it. But I, I think it's interesting to see how like, yeah, some like, when, once you join the industry, like how do you react to it? For me, I joined the industry and I was saying to myself, I remember when I joined, I was like, I'm going to take like six months off. I'm going to chill. I'm just going to focus on work. And then after a week, I was like, oh, I'd really love to paint that. And I just got back into it. It never, and I've never, I've had periods where I've wanted to draw and paint less, but I really can't remember a single day, like in my, the last few years where I haven't wanted to make something, even if it's just a little sketch, because it, it is like, a, I'm very passionate about it for whatever mm -hmm. reason. Um, and I, yeah, I think it's just, you know, like seeing these things yeah. for yourself. Yeah, I think also some people they probably are have a the their jobs might have the capacity to fulfill the, to fulfill oh, them more than yeah. others, right? Yeah. Like th there's been times at work uh, I was like, you know what? I've I've been painting eight hours per day anyway. I've like my whole since I've been working, I really don't feel like painting it now. You know, yeah, I don't need, totally. I don't feel like doing more personal work. And sometimes you're also happy at work, but you feel like you kind of want to paint more. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes you're not happy at work, and then you don't find like want to, be, <laughs> and, uh, to pee. Well, I, I said to pee. Like, well. <laughs> I don't want to pee. All of the uh, all of the anger paint. soaks up the piss inside <laughs> you. <laughs> but yeah, so it 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 varies clearly. Yeah. Um, in terms of yeah. actual advice of so I, I mean I think that is useful advice to prevent art becoming a chore. The other thing that I think is very important to making sure that it's something that you stay enjoying is to find projects and subject matters that engage you and to not be too concerned about what other people are going to think about yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. So if you're like sitting there at home and you're like, well, I really want to be a film concept artist uh, and then you grind for like two years until like create a good film portfolio, which is going to require a lot of variance, right? And a lot of variety and generalism. And then at the end of it, you're like, fuck, all I really want to do is design spaceships. Go for the spaceships, man. I, I, I think you need to find stuff that makes you happy and yeah, not be too concerned about what other people will say because when you start to focus on, I mean, I feel like every person on social media has said this, but when you start to focus too much on the audience, you start to lose the kind of like passion you have to create. Yeah, yeah. It, it, ultimately, like uh, creative arts are a very selfish like yeah. industry in a way. It's all about what you want to do and it's kind of on other people to figure out if they like that yeah. or not. And it's, it's very important not to compare yourself too much. Like it's not because... Again, some people, they don't do any work for a whole year, but it might be very happy about their heart because, yeah. again, they like what they do at work. Some others, they they might upload work every fucking week, but then they probably won't feel happy about it. I don't know. Who knows, yeah. right? Um, but it's important not to be like, oh, I must not feel as good as art as this guy because he does more personal work. I yeah. think that has no... The amount of work you do has no... Grounding or reality in how yeah. happy you are. Yeah. yeah. And and same, like, uh, you know, having m 10 more followers per, per week won't make you uh, happier about the art, right? It might yeah. be some sort of motivation. And if it motivates you and maybe if having more followers makes you happy, that's great. Yeah. But I don't think it's a truth that it makes happy everyone, you know? Like, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and um, yeah, also, I think making personal projects, because I think here we're talking personal projects more than yeah, work, yeah. 
that you really feel like you want to do, right? Rather than forcing yourself. If you start a dynamic where you force yourself most of the time to do work, then that might not be the right path to yeah. being happy of doing art, you know, if it becomes a, a, chore, a core, chore. Yeah. It's chore? Chore. <laughs> a core. A core? A core. A choir. Uh, if it becomes a chore more than anything else, and, you know, maybe just again, step back, look at, and try to analyze why you feel that way. On that um, note, I think some practical advice that I can provide is if you are really at a point where you're not enjoying anything and making anymore, you don't have any ideas for personal projects and you're just kind of like forcing it out, what I recommend is taking a step back, not stopping doing art, but kind of minimizing the stress of the art that you create. For example, if the easiest part of your process is just 3D modeling and that's what you enjoy the most and it's relaxing, then go in every evening when you want to do some stuff, you know, just do an hour every night model something okay whatever it is a gun a spaceship a prop if it's sketching you take an hour you grab your sketchbook and you do an hour of sketching and you sketch whatever you want every day person. yeah but just for an hour though that's that's a pretty low time commitment nah i don't know man no, 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 no. Dude, I, I think if someone is tired of making art and then you're telling them to do it every day no, that's no, no, too no, no, much no. but you need to find the thing that's most fun for you like for me it would be sketching like when i'm really low on motivation for projects i just sketch um, and I don't put any pressure on myself to make stuff. I just say, I'm going to watch some TV. I'm going to do some sketching while I watch the TV. I'm going to chill out and relax. And I just let whatever, you know, if I see like some guy on the TV whose face I like, I'm like, I'm going to draw him. Or if I see a really cool spaceship, I'm like, ooh, I want to draw a spaceship. And I just let the ideas come to me in a very low pressure environment mm. rather than saying, like, I'm not saying like you sit down and you focus for an so, hour. This is a time. In yeah, five yeah. hours, I will have a perfect portfolio yeah, yeah. piece. No, no, no. And I think, by, but the, the great thing about doing that, and again, it's a low pressure way to do stuff. You should find the most enjoyable way to approach it. For me, sketching, for you might be 3D modeling. Um, is that after a week, uh, a month, three months, a year, you'll eventually sketch something or paint something in that low stress environment that appeals to you and that you want to continue with. Yeah, it's yeah. almost inevitable. Um, so that's personally, like, if you really are struggling, that's my practical advice on how to do it. Uh, yeah. I, I, from personal experience, at some point I was doing less personal work mm -hmm. and I would always end up make, having one idea that I really liked. Yeah. And then my personal work would be one weekend, I would smash it, finish, publish it, right? And then I wouldn't have any do anything for like another few months mm -hmm. until I have another idea I really like. And then, boom, I'm making it. I'm very happy and I publish it, right? And lately, I've been doing more personal work. And I've also found it a bit harder to make the work or a bit less natural for me because I have, it's almost like I run out of these ideas that come slowly to me, I guess, mm -hmm. that really motivate me and that push me to go on that grind weekend when I just finish <laughs> the work, you know? And I'm right. like, okay, I'm so motivated about this. I'm just going to do it. Boom, done. Um, and I've noticed with the time that maybe, for example, a good way for me to continue making projects that really uh, make me happy rather than just doing something for the Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Is to maybe wait, reflect on the project, think on the project maybe for a few weeks, maybe do some sketch here and there until I feel very happy about the project. And yeah. then I'm like, you know what? Now that I had time to think about it, now that I'm fully think, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that this project has a lot of value yeah. and I'm also maybe more uh, emotionally attached to it. Yeah. Now I can go ahead, do it, Maybe not in the weekend, but like a few weeks. Well, or that's why I did with the Diamond Sky project, which yeah. I think is like 
uh, I was very happy with it in the end. It kind of got, I, I felt a bit shit because then Jason got posted like the same day and I was like, I suck. <laughs> but, um, you know, like it was a very fun project for me and I, I feel like it solved a lot of the things I wanted it to solve. And the reason it was fun is because I took the approach you're talking about where I just sketched and I just chilled out and I waited to see how these things felt. I put all those sketches into a pure ref file and I'd be grouping and moving them around. And I really just allowed, my, allowed myself to sit is that, it's definitely the most organic way of working that I've seen you work on a project. Yeah. I think it turned out the most Daniel-esque project that we've seen since the Pink Man. Mm. The most brain dead. Since on the, the Pink Man. <laughs> the Pink Man on the Troll. All of my projects are pink that are good. Should <laughs> <laughs> right. we move on to the next thing? Um, are we, did we give an answer to that then? It's, it's more like Just try, try to keep it fresh. Listen... <laughs> Like try to keep it fresh. Listen to what your almost like your body tells you in yeah. a way. Um, find find the find you need if you're not having fun, you need to find the fun. Yeah, uh, and that's really up to you. It's your personal journey, and for everyone, it's different. Yeah. But you you have to do it. You have to start at some point and yeah. start finding the fun. You know, and, and if you don't <clears> find any fun when you you're fine with it, yeah, then, then that's fine as well, right? Yeah, there's maybe just, there's no there, it doesn't need this. It, there's no need for an issue if there's no issue. Right? Yeah. The only problem is like, what if you have like massive ambitions? Be like, I want to be like Jamie Jones, but like you don't have any, you don't you don't enjoy doing the art. Yeah. Then I don't I just, know. Actually, actually, sorry, just to jump on that. Yeah. Unless you have something really important to say. No, I actually, okay. no, just a question. Like something really important there is another good way to stay motivated is to have a larger overarching goal. Uh, I think it's super important because... A lot of the time we deal, because we're people, right? And we can't see ahead in the future. We deal in very short-termism, right? Like how many paintings can I do this week? What can I put out this year? And I think it can be very, very helpful sometimes to have like a much longer term goal. Like for me, and again, I don't even know if this will ever happen, but I would think I, I think I would love to be a production designer one day. I think that'd be really fun. I think that from what I've heard about the job, it would be something that I'd enjoy, right? But that is like, 15 years away probably like there's no fucking chance i get that anywhere it's time soon but what i can do is produce projects find clientele work on things that do help me move towards that longer term goal and i think that is something that helps me stay motivated and i think it's good for people to keep in mind like hey what is that big long-term goal that you can like inch towards over the years um because that can be a great source of motivation yeah that, this for sure but also and i, I think it's great to have but you know i think for example, growing up, I don't know about you guys, but I always knew what I wanted to do. I think a lot of people in concept art kind of knew what they wanted to do mm. growing up, which is clearly not the case of most people, right? That go through maybe more traditional jobs. <coughs> yeah. And those people sometimes feel very shit about not knowing where they want to go. Yeah. And so I think we were quite lucky to know where we wanted to go. But if it, it's good to know why you want to go in the future. But if yeah. you don't know, don't also force yourself yeah. to have a goal, right? It's fine. If you have one, that's great. If you don't have one yet, maybe think about it. Maybe you might find something. But if you don't find an answer, that's also very fine. Like yeah. uh, most people don't really know what they want to be. Yeah. I mean, I certainly wasn't sure if art was going to be the answer, but I kind of just went with it. Because I knew I, I enjoyed parts of it. And then I had to like rediscover those parts that I enjoyed. Yeah. Because I lost them as I started studying. And I was like, and then I went, like Daniel was saying, I went back and I was like, what is the thing that I like really enjoy about constant what I always into? I was like, oh yeah, it's design, like it's sketching, it's like coming up with ideas. That's the thing that I always wanted to do, and that I lost it in the in the where'd you lose it in in the pursuit of trying to get better technic technically, you know, in the pursuit of in the pursuit of like being a technically better artist. I I forgot that Who I was. 
I mean, I wanted to do design, but I just I just forgot that like that is the thing that 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 matters to me. <clears throat> well, sometimes you just want to think about other stuff, go on holidays. Ah, <laughs> what a and, wow, what a transition! And by going on holiday, sometimes you turns out to find your inspiration back because you're going to a great place and I think, being inspired by new culture, and which leads us to our new subject, guys. Yes, that was a transition. <laughs> which, that's really uh, good, many, man. That's really good. How many? Uh, which is. Countries have you visited, Jules? No, we're not going to start saying this. I'm not giving out any personal I, information. I've lived, I've lived in many countries, to tell you that much. I, I, I don't think we should, this section should be us bragging about how much we've traveled. I, I've been in prisons just, in many countries. I've, I've lived in... Uh, in um, um, yeah. No, so I think we all visited a few, a few countries. We've been lucky to travel a bit. Uh, thank you, parents. <laughs> and sometimes when we visit a new culture or a new country, we... It, brings this uh, motivation or it brings the inspiration back and i wanted to ask you guys which places like you know if you can give some little travel recommendation to people or just talk about one of your experience of which trips really inspired you for concept art or made you see the world in a different way which impacted your art i think there are many places that concept artists would deem as like just give us one Uh, well, for me, definitely, I went to Scotland ages ago, which was super super cool. I don't think it personally inspired a bunch of my art, even though when I was in uni, when I went there, I took like tons of pictures, and then I had like a few projects that were like just green hills <laughs> <laughs> with like mountains and like. I uh, remember that. Wasn't there like a prisoner yeah, hill cage yeah, yeah, or something? Exactly. It was from... like a prisoner thing that had like a snake head. Yeah. It was like over the cliff, mm. overarching and stuff like. It was actually all deleted from his portfolio now. <laughs> <laughs> um, not my art station. Probably on my Instagram. It's still there. Um, yeah. So that was that was that, that was pretty fun. Just just fun to like travel around and like see mm-hmm. these places. I personally find I don't think I've ever been on a trip, but I was like, this is the perfect Cotsbury inspiration trip. But every trip I've been to, I've took like a little bit of inspiration from it, mm-hmm. and I always try to remember places in my head. So whenever I go somewhere, I like I remember how I feel there. I remember the composition for example or like the lighting and i remember the feeling that i felt and whenever i do art if i can i try to base it off of a memory of something because when you can remember a real life place that you've been to they go like this is the perfect place that inspires this concept it will feel so much more personal and so much more real because it's based on like you know that that memory and that feeling that you have i think it's a very valid thing because for example like if, if, if it's hot somewhere, there's many different feelings to hot. Is it arid? Is it tropical? Is it wet? You know, are you in the middle of a monsoon? And there are ways to artistically and visually express those feelings, um, whether it's just from like the type of sun that you get in that part of the world. Like for example, in the desert, if you ever go and visit the desert, like in Egypt or something, the sun is very, very harsh. It casts very sharp shadows, right? Because there's no clouds to diffuse the rays of the sun. Uh, very white and bright, right? And you get much cooler shadows because there's so much blue sky to reflect into those shadows. So being able to understand those things and being able to experience them firsthand is very important. And I think the other thing I like about what you said is taking the little things from places that you Mm -hmm. get to visit. For example, if you're designing a beach, right? 
if you haven't, if you visited a variety of different beaches, for example, like you visited a white sand beach and then a uh, stone beach and then a volcanic. Remember volcanic when we went beach, to right? White Cliffs Dover and like the beach with the yeah Dover yeah. in Dover, fucking yeah. amazing yeah, yeah. with like stones and stuff. And like yeah, for example, like we all did like a mini trip to Dover, which was very cheap and inexpensive, but yeah. very nice. And one of the great things there was, like you said, there was this big shipwreck at the bottom. We went down this really dangerous cliff to get yeah, down it there. it was pretty tight stick. And what was amazing was, like, the thing that you can take away from something like that, right, is if you ever had to design a shipwreck, not only do you have this thing where you're like, okay, well, this is reference I have. But what's really important is you saw how barnacles build up from the base of the ship to the top how areas that are exposed to water have different material kind of like density to them and different reflectivity, how the water interacts with this, like how the rust and scum like yeah. leaches off onto the rocks that surround it. And it's those very subtle things that I think if you try to remember them when you're somewhere are super important. Mm -hmm. To go back to this thing about like beaches, like different types of beaches have different buildup of sediment, which can really add a sense of realism to yeah. your image. Yeah. So if you're on a, if you're doing like a tropical pirate beach or something, right, for a concept, you if you've never seen one of these places, you might put like the palm trees by the water, right? Mm. And that can happen. But when it does happen, if you look at photographs of it, there's very particular like root structures that form because of that, yeah, right? Yeah. And the sand forms around that in a very particular ways. And if there's rocks around that tree, then the sand interacts with those differently. And seeing how everything layers on top of each other and like the kind of realistic process of nature that, you know, piles up all of these things over like millennia, essentially is super interesting and can be super informative because yep. it adds a level of realism to your images that can be hard to capture sometimes when you're just working from photography. Mm -hmm. I think, so that, that's great being there and also linking it to photography, if you can take your own reference or if you see something that you really like, it's good to either take a note or take a picture of it on your phone, you know, and then you when you go through your old days pictures, you're like, oh yeah, that was amazing. And I, I think concept artists probably are the only people who have family pictures and then a rock <laughs> and, then, yeah. and then a crab. And then, oh, what's that? A weird flower. Oh, a temple. <laughs> oh, let me use that in a concept. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's like very good to, you know, uh, I think have a very uh, curious eye yeah. and see the little details, as you were saying, you know, or just also the atmosphere. You know, if you go to, to Morocco and, and <coughs> no, it's, it's, if, if you go to Morocco and, and you're in like uh, the, the Grand Bazaar there and like mass, massive busy and people are running everywhere, like people shouting, then you might be in, like you might feel like doing something similar to that, but in, another, in like a sci-fi setting, or is it doesn't have to be so necessarily something you see, but also a mood, an ambience. Totally. Uh, yeah. yeah, I think one place I really loved visiting yeah. was um, Borneo. Uh, oh, yeah. Again, where's that? Uh, it's kind of adjacent to Malaysia, um, mm, and okay. yeah, again, the very lucky and happy I got to go there and all that stuff. But the thing that was really amazing about there was I got to be in the jungle. I'd never been in a jungle before in my mm. life, and that was fucking crazy. I mean just seeing like how physically large plants can grow. Yeah. <laughs> like there were tree leaves that were bigger than I am, you know, like seeing like 10, like, like essentially eight foot tree leaves is insane. And I think one funny thing about that was after I went on that trip, I came back and I did some concepts because I was like, oh, I'm going to do some jungle concepts because I spent all this time in the jungle. And I had all of these like massive leaves painted into the concept. And when I sent it back to my friends, they were like, so what, is that robot in the jungle, it's like really small? I was like, no, 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 it's just like the leaves in the jungle are insanely big. And they were like, it just looks like it's really small, man, because the leaves are really big. <laughs> They're like, you know, I can't relate to that. And I was like, oh shit, yeah. You know, and it's, it's funny how sometimes like actually real world things that you try to bring into your concepts yeah, because yeah. they're not common enough. It's not a common enough experience mm -hmm. that people have had 
it doesn't translate at all and it actually can completely destroy the concept or yeah, the sense yeah, of scale yeah. or anything yeah especially if you present it with just one image yeah. with one perspective you know like because if you implement that in a video game yeah then it's a video game. I mean, yeah, you're yeah, gonna, yeah. if it's an Uncharted, then there's a big leap, there's yeah. a big leap, that's it. I, um, another example of that is, just to sh- like talk about this again, like I when I saved up a lot of money to go on a trip to China with one of my best friends um, when we finished high school. So I was like working a bit and, you know, just saved up the cash essentially to go. And we went on this trip and, and one of the things was one of his family members brought us to the Great Wall of China. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing it as we we're driving over from Beijing and I was like, wow, this is like really big. And you could see all of these trees dotted along it. And you, I was like, and they were like evergreen trees, you know, like fir trees. I was like, oh, wow, this is like even bigger than I ever thought. And then as we drove closer, it didn't get any bigger. And as we drove closer and then we were there, it didn't get, it was even smaller than I mm. thought it was. And I was like, what the fuck? And it was because in the area that we visited, all of the fir trees that in the UK, and again, they looked exactly the same as the ones you get in the UK. In the UK, they'd be about like 20 feet. Mm, and here they're very and small. in China, they were only about four feet. <laughs> so yeah. it made it look so much bigger because of the, the cultural expectations that I had about like how a plant that is shaped like mm-hmm. that would be size-wise. Yeah. And then when I saw it in real life, I was like, oh, it's a... It's like a, the, the whole wall is yeah. like x x amount of yeah. meters high. <laughs> that's what's strange. That's what's interesting as well, you know, because sometimes you know, if you go to I don't know, uh, if you look at pictures of Machu Picchu, you see the Machu Picchu and that's it. That's what you see, right? Yeah. But if you go there, you get through the train and then you get through the buses and then you get through the crowds and all that, and, and you see so many other things of the environment, all the mountains surrounding mm. it that you would won't necessarily see in a if through picture references. Yeah. And and this would this could help you make a concept where you can see more of a what you know if you do world building to understand mm-hmm. more of how such a city mm-hmm. could be placed within yeah. the environment, how people could get to that city because you know it's you know how it actually is within yeah, the yeah. environment surrounding it. Um, or like in, when we were in Barcelona and we went, I mean we spoke about this on the podcast before, yeah. but when we went to Montserrat, uh, Montserrat yeah. right? I don't know how you could build a monastery on a mountain, but no. now I do because I went to it. And like That's showing true, yeah. photography of it yeah. is only going to get you so yeah. far. You can get a very externalized perspective of how this is situated, how it's built into this structure. But when you're actually there and you see it from every facet and angle, you get a much deeper understanding yeah. of how these things work. And also, were. we I mean, we went down by foot so now <laughs> crazy <laughs> just to remember that again no but uh but because of that you know like how you would do a concept of like mm-hmm. a little route that like leads towards the yeah. monster yeah. and you'll be like oh i'm gonna start with something that's kind of like not very well built just like random rocks and some at the bottom of some mm-hmm. uh whatever uh not, not real world roads just some trees and then as we go for closer and closer it's gonna be more like real steps and stuff like that mm-hmm. if you didn't walk this you would never know true yeah and you, you might as well add a little farm there because we saw a little farm there, <laughs> yeah you know? and like stuff that <laughs> you, you think just that wouldn't people... add no but yeah. you probably wouldn't add a farm if you had to design that you would just be a fucking mountain or something yeah. i think ultimately um, every experience that you have can just flavor the experience that you bring to other people and to yeah, a viewer when yeah. you create a piece of imagery um i, I think if I can advise something is to have a camera view and try and take pictures. It's also interesting to see how, again, you can be seeing a famous site and then you take a camera and you get a specific angle and you're like, oh, wow, that looks completely different now. Or it yeah. looks like it's set in a different area or it looks like this tower, which is not that big, yeah. is actually a massive. Well, it's funny because I, I take photos whenever I go somewhere, but when I look at the photos afterwards, it's like a different place. Yeah, it's not how I remember because it at because all. you don't get it. it a, it's a, very a photograph hard doesn't to capture much. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, especially the the scale of things. In my yeah. opinion, 
Um, so it's awesome to, to, you know, I've also, I've noticed that when I go on holidays, that's when my brain just comes up with new ideas for concepts. Yeah. Like I would just be visiting a place and I would have new ideas for concepts that would just pop up to my mind because I, because seeing how, you know, a windmill in Greece works or something yeah. like this, you know? Yeah. Um, and, it, and then I would go home and I would have all these ideas. Sometimes I use them, some I don't, but at least <laughs> it just fuels me with creativity in a way that nothing else Yeah has ever fueled me with and if you don't i mean if uh because again as we spoke about like we're very lucky to have been able to visit so many places all of us and we're lucky to financially be in positions now where we can still go and visit stuff even as a group which is really nice mm -hmm. um but if you can't i think it's good to remember like we were talking about earlier if you live in the uk and you live in oxford or london you can visit many different places yeah, in the uk, well, the UK which are pretty, so uh, very... wildly different and i would say the uk is one of the least varied countries in europe really Oh, for sure, man. Yeah, yeah. UK is very in terms of in terms of, of environment is very limited. But yeah. you have insane. I mean, London, just London is insane yeah. for architecture. But I mean, it, like compare the UK where it's like what you have is like farmland, rain, and bogs, compared to like Switzerland, right? Mm. Like Switzerland is so much more varied. Like the difference between being in Lausanne or by Lake Geneva versus being at the top of one of the mountains is wildly different. Um, UK has tons of varied beaches though no but my, anyway my point is that even in your own country wherever you are yeah, even yes. if you're in yeah. the UK which is one of the least varied countries I would you say you still have stuff in the UK to see yeah, there's so many amazing things loads of see. very nice things to yeah. see which uh, hopefully are within people's travel yeah. budgets to go and do so if you're in Spain if you're in France I mean like in, anywhere in Europe or the US there's like it's surprising sometimes to it's, it's funny when I had some friends visiting Switzerland and I've been with them Yeah. visiting Susan with them I'd be like holy shit I have this next to where I live <laughs> and like and sometimes just put even if it's not going too far from where you live put yourself in the tourist shoes and go see the very touristic things yeah. and try to see them with neutral eyes yeah. and you would see like oh wow that's actually something I took for granted or something yeah. I just see as a day to day life if you can walk around in life and look try and look at everything as if it's new to you yeah, yeah. your life will be much happier yeah totally. because yeah. when you try to find the positive you know if you walk around london you can very easily as a lot of people in london do sit around and be like this place is a gray shithole it rains all the time i fucking hate it but if you sit there and you know you're walking through regent's park or something and it's raining it's pissing it down and rather than being miserable about the fact that it's rain you're sitting you're there and like i'm surrounded by these beautiful trees the reflections in the water are yeah. amazing these lampposts are gorgeous and you try and find the positives in this in the surroundings This is obviously dependent on you being in a good mood. If you're in a bad mood, it ain't happening, buddy. <laughs> But, you know, if you try and find the beautiful things where you are, they are there because there's beautiful things everywhere. Yeah. So be positive. Look outside. Go, go touch some grass, you know. Yes. Eat, and, and then you eat it. <laughs> and don't then, eat the grass. No, don't eat it. Never mind. Just, uh... <laughs> This is parody. Just walk around. Take some, take some pictures. I, I think, the, the, like, the, the concluding thing here is concept art being on your computer looking at art station looking at pinterest can only get you so far and real life experiences add another level of genuine engagement to art that you can't really get any other way so find the experiences where you can wherever you are whatever your budget try to do things that take you away from your computer desk even if it's going for a walk around the corner of where you live because that will give you new experiences to draw upon in your work yeah all right are we done We're done. Nice. Nice. Um, well, if you enjoyed today's episode, uh, we upload every two weeks. 
please like and subscribe as well or follow and ring the notification bell and on Spotify ding, and ding, 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 whatever ding. you listen to on. Ding, 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 ding. Only Jules knows all of the places we upload this to. So anyway. It's everywhere, yeah. guys. It's everywhere. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> if you're listening to this, you found it. <laughs> so, But yeah, if uh, you enjoyed this, uh, please leave a like and let us know in the comments if you have any other questions or things to add. Thank you for listening and we appreciate it. Bye-bye. Take care. See you. Bye.